0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian-scientist come together to discuss science, comedically.
1: Hello, and welcome to Science Faction 689. Science Faction, bird flu is back, and it's not as bad as meningitis. Bird flu is back, uh...
0: Two bird, two fluier? Like two. No, uh this is
1: Tokyo Drift. They they skip. Oh, okay. That's not the third in the yeah, series. They well, it's not <laughs> canonical, you know. It keeps it, you know, includes some people, keeps some out, you know.
0: flew harder, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I used a bunch for the for the awful neutral, li- neutral livestream, so I don't want to say, you know, bird flu two, the legend of Curly's gold. I don't want to say bird flu two back in the habit. Bird flu 2, Lost in New York. Yes, that was the other one. Okay. <laughs> it also has a uh, disgraced ex-president. Andrew Jackson is in that one. <laughs>
1: I do like that for a while uh, we decided that, you know, you do need to give like a sequel a good subtitle to make it work. And like the 80s and early 90s was like a real prime time for like just they hired a bunch of dudes on coke to sit around writers rooms for four or five days and think of the subtitle of a sequel.
0: For, on, on one hand, I love it. Uh, I I, I, it, I think it, it, it has fueled a lot of comedy for me uh, since then. On the second hand, I I think it's like uh, one of those things where those writers in the 80s and 90s mined the whole resource. Mm. There's nothing left for writers of the 2000s to, you know, like some guy's going to stumble into Too Awful, yeah. Too Neutral.
1: <laughs> it's it's like uh, redwood trees with 30-foot diameters, you know, like you know, those are all taken off the earth and there's none left for the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> greedy, ri- greedy coke addicted
0: writers in the 80s and 90s stole from future generations. And this is.
1: Yes. And speaking of the Curly's Gold of this show, I, of course, am your host, comedian archaeologist Robert Timothy. With me, as always, is my comedian, Mr. Damien Mercado. Damien, how are you doing this afternoon?
0: Uh, I've been better. Well, before I address that, uh, when you say, like, like, the legend of Curly, Curly's Gold sounds like a pub reference. Like, like that guy has the best pubes.
1: Yeah, just like a he's a he's just a blonde dude who spends a lot of time suntanning bottomless.
0: <laughs> I honestly think, like you know how, like in the old days, people used to get names uh, like crude nicknames. Mm-hmm. If you're of Mexican descent, like for example, if you're fat as a kid, you'll be called Gordo sure. for the rest of your fucking yeah. life. I wonder if like Curly was like a dude in like cowboy times who just had a massive pubic mane. Mm-hmm. Like, well, he's curly. That's. Mm-hmm. Or it was what they called Jewish and Italian people, like people with curly hair. Like, I don't. Maybe he's just
1: the inventor of curly fries. In, in <laughs> which case, you really shouldn't slander the
0: guy. <laughs> um, yeah, you have to. The, the original people had to, like, run the potato through a ram's horn to get that type of curl. <laughs> oh, and uh, when I said not too good, though, uh, I did want to say, because I know we have fans in both. Um, we recently started our live stream in Awful Neutral. We had our episode zero this Sunday or this last Sunday. But as uh, any San Diego resident can tell you, after, immediately after we recorded that, uh, we were hit with uh, uh, catastrophic storms. Uh, if you live in the barrio uh, uh, part of San Diego shit was, was wrecked.
1: It was literally it was one of the worst recorded single days of rain, one of the highest amounts of rain that has ever been recorded since the 1800s when they started keeping records around this part of town. And uh, one, of the, one of the absolute worst, to put this in perspective, an annual average rainfall for San Diego, because we are technically a desert, is just over 10 inches. So we get about 10 inches a year. We got more than 3 inches in 3 hours. And so we just don't have the infrastructure to account for more- more than a third of our annual rainfall happening within three hours.
0: And there's still people in, in the barrio who are like, What climate change? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that's the thing
0: I've been trying to tell everybody because we are like, How because our studio, that studio, you know, if, if so, Awful Neutral is, is in a real, you know, uh, we don't know what the next step is, if we're being honest. We have a meeting later. And so that's kind of some bad news. Well, we'll let our fans know uh, what's up later. But uh, I've been trying to tell people, like, this is what climate change looks like. It's not. It's just going to be like more extreme weather, you know, and like California was, uh, I remember talking on this show about how we, uh, uh, climate experts were expecting California to just be in this ever worsening drought moving forward. But at least at this stage in climate change, we're getting unexpected rain, uh insane rain for the last couple of years. So well, keep
1: in mind the hotter your climate is, the more water is in it, right? So the cooler usually it's locked up in ice and stuff, and the hotter, the more th- water gets evaporated, mm. especially if you're near the coast from the ocean. And so therefore you get much more rain. You get these atmospheric rivers, which we're seeing right now. And yeah, it's it is intense. I went to go, you know, pick up my my son at my parents' house in my the neighborhood that I, I grew up in, and it's underwater. Like the the neighborhood that I grew up in the streets were flooded out. the The parks were, I took pictures they're they're literally underwater. The 15 freeway was drowning cars, like on on the southbound. Yeah, it, it was absolutely crazy. It's and and listen, I don't want to point this. You know, obviously your your studio got flooded, and I don't want to necessarily point any fingers. But you know, I there's a whole wrath of God concept that maybe the plagues were brought down to stop an immoral podcast from going up. Maybe so many people suffered because you were fil- taping that podcast in that studio.
0: I I do think you're right. I think it's because I, uh, every week, uh, regardless of the treatment I got on the mm-hmm. show, I would selflessly plug <laughs> my friend's project, uh, Science Faction. And I think God was telling me, why are you doing this for somebody who wouldn't piss on your podcast if it was burning with children inside?
1: Oh, I'd piss on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: I know, I know, you've, you've, you've shit on my baby quite a bit, but uh, just so you know, I consider this, I'm, I, I consider myself in a morally superior situation because I've never
1: once done that to your baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, my baby is not equivalent to, as you have put it, child porn, but you know what, let's just move on, and speaking of which, if you want to hear a Keep video. shitting, Bobby, Keep shitting. <laughs> A it's, little bit, it's the bit that doesn't get old. If you want to hear a little bit more of the bit that doesn't get old, you go ahead and check out our Patreon. You can search Robert Timothy on Patreon for four extra science articles every single week. Hopefully those articles come to you nice and dry and not under feet of water and mud. But regardless, uh, let's move right on to science articles. From molecules to particles, this is Science Article. All right, article number one, bird flu has wiped out 95% of southern elephant seal pups. I'm going to play Bobby. Well,
0: tabletop gaming had taken off uh, amongst the seal pup population, so they all deserve to die in a genocidal, uh, as Bobby tries to pretend that he's uh, still cool and totally with it and not the old man. Again, John Lithgow from Footloose. Yeah. Who still thinks he has some sort of social relevance. Uh-huh.
1: But. <laughs> uh huh. So, this one's super interesting. So, this is uh, kind of like a fairly terrifying story, especially if you are a Patreon and you heard, you know, uh, a week or two ago, we covered on our Patreon how the first ever recorded polar bear death from bird flu uh, that we know of occurred. Again, probably not the first ever of all time because we don't find most polar bear bodies, but we did find these, this one and tested it and it was positive for bird flu. And. In this case, this is somewhat terrifying. This new paper out details how H5N1 has killed off 95% of the elephant seal pups in South America, close to about 18,000 of them.
0: Question: uh, Like, uh, in South America, where do they are they uh, are they are South America lousy with elephant seals? I know in California we only have like a couple spots.
1: No, it's so again. So about eighteen thousand total. F- it was one pupping oh. season. So it, that means there's more, obviously, that exists, but per season, you're going to expect to have about 18,000. And this killed them, almost all of them off, killed about 17,000 off. And that's terrifying, right? Because you're talking about an extinction level event that happened over the course of a single year. I mean, this is, we were talking a couple of weeks back about, you know, like snow crabs, uh, having something similar happen to them with, with warming of the Bering sea and how we lost a ton of them. It's like, man, it doesn't take many of these events to really make a species go extinct, especially because you got to think that for the next few years, we got to be really fucking careful with every single southern elephant seal pup. we got to take really, really good care of them if we want to make up for this one year where they got wiped out. And while it hit the young pups disproportionately hard, it wasn't just the young ones. The adults suffered too. In fact, just doing a random survey of one of the big beaches that these uh, animals beach themselves on, in this particular beach, it'd be rare to find even a single dead adult elephant seal at the end of a season, and they found 46 dead on this single wow. beach. So it's not sparing the adults, it's just not wiping them out so dramatically, but very clearly we have seen a pervasive strain of the bird flu get into random mammal populations across the globe from all the way up in the Arctic to you know these polar bears getting it to all the way down in South America. And by the way, we believe they got it from sea lions, who also recently had a mass die-off from getting this H5N1 strain and they likely transmitted it over over to the elephant seals. The mass extinction train rolls on, dude. It is crazy. It is terrifying. I mean, frankly, it's terrifying because in a lot of the cases, like we think the polar bear got it from eating an infected bird. We think the sea lions got them from eating infected birds and infected stuff. Uh, in those cases, we were going, okay, this infection is bad. It's it's pretty lethal, but it appears to only. Be transmitted when they eat the infected birds. In this case, elephant seal pups don't eat; they suckle from their mother, which means that this is almost certainly mammal to mammal transmissible at this point, and that's a whole nother fucking ball game. Because that's that. Or there was a drug dealer sea lion. You know,
0: every every elephant seal parent tells their kid, "Hey, if you see a, if you see a sea lion in a leather jacket trying to sell you pot or fish, you say no." Man, the fentanyl epidemic is really
1: kicking out the sea lions. <laughs>
0: It, correct me if I'm wrong, but we, we, we've we talked in this show about, and you've mentioned two species uh, that in the past that have had a genetic bottleneck mm-hmm. that essentially spells, it's a ticking time bomb that spells doom, and one of them was the elephant seal, the other being the cheetah, and so... I don't imagine this helps that time bomb. It, it,
1: you're, you bring up a good point because the genetic diversity is going to be narrowed way, way down. The Because, you know, you get genetic diversity by spreading out and going to different places and being genetically isolated and developing new kind of uh, genetic diversity among those individuals and kind of staying isolated for a while and then bringing those genes back to the, the general population. And since there was already a bottleneck, now that that bottleneck is now, at least in the southern populations, we now have a new bottleneck, I don't know that we've had enough time for that diversity to spread out. So that bottleneck is amplified. That bottleneck effect gets amplified by previous bottleneckings. It is terrifying to think that they're passing it around. Because again, you're passing around from mammal to mammal to mammal. It's a hop, skip, and a jump away from jumping into us. And if you, obviously we've had H5N1, but if it goes through these populations, it is by definition mutating to some degree. If it mutates enough and it can get back into human populations, it might be novel enough to cause a big problem. And by the way, H5N1 by itself is already a problem in human populations. It can do a lot of damage. So if we get you know some kind of modified fucking. L- elephant seal h5n1 bird flu that could be a fucking big one that could be the one that makes covid look easy i have a question well
0: i mean yeah uh, human humans complain about their their deadly virus mm-hmm. but you know there's not piles of pups of human pups in the street question could we start I've okay i'm spitballing here we need genetic diversity mm-hmm. in the in the elephant seal population yeah. clearly naturally this gap will not be closed on its own so this is where uh uh positive thinking human beings uh real people want to affect positive change mm-hmm. people like myself i'm going to go get a u-haul or one of those giant pool trucks mm-hmm. i'm going to go up to hearst castle where the seal beach basically is and i'm going to i'm going to as many as i can fit in that pool and i'm hauling ass to south america And I'm going to cross, basically, I'm going to hijack a couple of elephant seals and drop them off in a community. Do they know elephant seal Spanish? Probably not.
1: This is uh, yeah, <laughs> a real, like, aquatic Operation Dumbo drop going on. I I, I I think there might be enough of a difference that we would want to keep these groups separate. Like, in, in worst-case scenario, to keep the group alive, maybe we need an infusion from northern groups. But I think you do want to kind of preserve those southern groups as their own thing, if possible, because, you know, that, that is its separate group. And, you know, as we've done in, with zoos, incidentally, in the past couple hundred years, accidentally throwing... Two things that can breed and can create viable offspring, but are from different parts of the world and wouldn't normally breed, kind of does fuck up the genetic lineage that's going on there. So we might not necessarily want to do that, but that might be a last resort. The last resort might be you gotta go, you know, bring some new uh, seals in. I think more and more what we're gonna see is the introduction of genetic editing techniques. You know, the the introduction of some kind of CRISPR techniques to add genetic diversity that is otherwise that would naturally occur over longer time spans with bigger populations into smaller populations and shorter time spans in order to compensate for these like extinction or near extinction events.
0: We're getting closer to mastering the genome, at least of our own species, or maybe not master is a strong word, but we're, we're, we're dipping our toe in. How many years could we be till like a scientist could be like, all right, we need more genetic diversity in the uh, in the elephant seal population. I plug in elephant seal into the AI and just say randomize. Yeah. And it, and it just gives me a new male or female. Well,
1: theoretically, we could do that now. And by the way, you wouldn't want to do it randomly. We do know that there are the type of mutations that we would want aren't necessarily just like, you know, random throwing a dart at a dartboard. We would know which base pairs to target and stuff like that to try and add the type of genetic diversity we would want to see to make species healthy and to create Allele diversity, so you're not in- inheriting, you know, two copies of that that same allele from each parent and stuff like that. We we would use it in a targeted fashion, but you bring up a good point, which is how far away we are. And the fact is, we could probably do it right now. I don't know, like exactly what the ethical or legal basis for doing it would be. Like, I don't know if that would pass muster. If there'd be some Uh, IRB that wouldn't let us do it, if there would be some, you know, if there would be some kind of legal blockade that would keep us from being able to do that if a species leaves this planet through extinction, then they've lost their right to the planet. I say,
0: Senator Bobby, your tree hugging let's save the planet uh, does not take apart the intellectual property that is of the elephant seal community, which of course has been absorbed by the South by the newly state of Argentina. Uh,
1: Senator Foghorn Leghorn, you yourself are a giant uh, anthropomorphic rooster. You, if anybody could appreciate the yeah. need for genetic engineering, even. Basically it would be you.
0: I come from a long line of very horny perverts who own chicken coops. (laughs) And what you'll see in here is a truly American infusion of of perversion in Fargo Leghorn. I might be the most American cartoon there is, sir.
1: And if you're asking, you know, well, what are the chances that a human uh, having sex with a chicken would create a viable offspring? And that offspring would be a giant anthropomorphic chicken (laughs) itself. uh, The answer is like one in a billion which gives us an idea of how many times people have fucked chickens.
0: <laughs> I, I, I kind of pictured the, uh, you know, two men can't make a baby. Well, they keep trying. Yeah. That's kind of the way I pictured the, the chicken. <laughs> what do you, listen, my grandfather got into the poultry business
1: for one reason, and it was not to provide for his family. His family of chicken hybrids. I, and Every you know day. what? There's a lot of different ways this could happen. Maybe somebody's fucking a chicken. Maybe somebody's fucking unfertilized eggs. You don't know. <laughs>
0: I'm when I go to the store to buy eggs from now on, I'm checking for semen.
1: We call that the Appalachian Cadbury. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's right, you heard it here. Go to the store with a black light if you are going to buy eggs.
1: Chris Hansen keeps sitting dudes down in the middle of Kentucky in the fucking egg aisle yeah. of Kroger's. <laughs> hey, what are you doing here? <laughs>
0: Bun, bun, chicken. (laughs) (laughs) You know, those eggs are underage.
1: Oh, uh, dear, we have fun with the possibility of extinction. Yeah, it, it is a one of those terrifying things, especially because H5N1, again, already does damage when it's in humans, so who knows what happens when it gets even more novel. It goes through a few species in between us. Remember, you know, when, when it comes to things like COVID, it's flying around in bats, but it doesn't become human-to-human transmissible or super, super deadly until it pops through a pangolin or something like that and then comes out into us. So when we are seeing diseases that humans can get going through other animals and then possibly again hasn't gotten into humans that we know of yet but then possibly coming back into humans that's where the real pandemic potential is and so things like this are terrifying and by the way let's say it never infects another person let's say this goes you know dead end through elephant seals we still either wiped out or came close to wiping out an entire species in one season and by the way have you heard of this? Like other than on this show, is there a huge articles on, on the, the local news about the fact that we almost just wiped out an entire fucking species that 95% of entire pumping season is completely dead. And who knows how long it would take to recover from that? Like, no, like this is, it, it's almost a, it's, it's something you have to hear on an obscure, you know, science dick joke podcast, because it's not something that makes the news. <laughs>
0: Most of the news you get is uh, is pretty filtered for a lot of things, so I, that makes sense. Like, I, I, it's not boring. It's not. It's not Trump farted.
1: Like, it's not. Yeah, but it's not. There's not. It's not like there's some like interested party in keeping you from finding out about dead elephant seals. Like, there.
0: Well, I, I think it's. I think it's more that the, uh, the that the the Earth is kind of collapsing around us, ah. and like society is. I, I don't think they want to report on that. uh like how, how the system we have in place is detrimental to all life on Earth. Yeah. It's, I don't think they really report may, that.
1: Maybe it, it is one of those things that it's just because it makes people sad. I honestly think it's just a lack of awareness. I think that stories like this don't make the news because we f- are somewhat distanced from you know the biological world around us, but also just because like... A lot of people go, ah, who cares if a bunch of elephant seals die? 70,000 elephant seals, who cares? You know, we probably killed that many cows in the last 10 minutes. And it's like, no, you have to understand, this is a huge percentage of the overall population, and this thing could very easily go extinct from this one event that you barely even heard about.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. People avoid uh, sad news. It's why, uh, like, I think a big reason why the news avoids climate change. But I think a lot of things as well as, like, the people who fund the news uh, don't really want the system to change. So, any challenge to that system, anything uh, that might require, like, oh, we have to stop dumping pure a- sulfuric acid in- directly onto elephant seals, that'll cost the taxpayer, the, the shareholders, 0.01 cents. Uh,
1: it's also why uh, the sad clown massacres never make the news, because nobody wants to feel that. Sa- like, no one wants to see that sad clown. Instead of the happy face, it's got the droopy face and, you know, an AR 15 bursting into a, a high school, those never make the news. I, I say the better example is just uh, uh, the unhome,
0: unhoused crisis going on. Sure. Like, people don't want to feel sad. Uh, in fact, people will actually go out of their way uh, and have defense mechanisms to blame the poor. Sure. Uh, how dare you have schizophrenia?
1: Sure. There certainly is, like, a, a desire to kind of ostrich head in the sand away from bad news. I think the reason it's important not to is... One, if this is the making of a future human pandemic that does affect us all, it is very important to take note and, you know, do what we can to avoid that. But also, two, is to realize that these things sweep through the biological world, just like they swept through ours four years ago. You know, just like our world was rocked by a sudden, you, you know, uh, uh, disease that, that came through and infected almost every human being on Earth. This, we're not unique. Like, though that happens to every animal and we are just another one of those animals and seeing it happen in another population, I mean, I I don't know if this, you know, I don't think there's a lot of conspiracy theorists who follow biological news, but there is some element of inoculation against conspiracy when instead of going just like, oh, what is this weird, mysterious pandemic that just sweeps through human population? If you see it, that it's part of the natural biological world and you see it happen to other animals, there is more of a, I don't know. I, I would like to think more of an ability to just face the reality of it as an adult, as opposed to imagining that it's like JFK jr. Is going to come back and fix it. Well, first off, Bobby, would you tell me that, that it's,
0: uh, I, I was thinking like, what if, if, if we are not special, if we're not unique, then perhaps the elephant seals basically had the dumbest motherfucking members of their species advocating against <laughs> any sort of safe protocol.
1: It was, it was all, it was all the freedom caucus of elephant seals. <laughs> Oh dear. On to article number two. Bacterial meningitis permanently injures one in three children who catch it. So wait, all those bacterial
0: meningitis parties I've been having with other parents? Like <laughs> there there might be a downside? Like if you get it as a kid, you can't get it as an adult. <laughs>
1: Well, also, because uh, it is highly contagious, you usually get it as a kid, an old person, or in college dorm settings. And I guess if you get it as a kid, you're not going to get it in college because you probably won't make it there. Yeah.
0: uh, (laughs) So you're telling me brain swelling in a child has detrimental effects. Now, Damien, do you know what meningitis
1: is? Because I'm sure a lot of people... It's a bacterial infection of your cerebral spinal fluid, isn't it? Not... Well, meningitis could be bacterial, could be viral, right? So it could be either Mm -hmm. one. And those are two different different types. Viral meningitis, not usually nearly as serious, also not usually nearly as contagious, and also much more common, frankly. So when you hear somebody say, I had meningitis... Most of the time they're talking about a viral meningitis infection and they're they're infecting the meninges or kind of the, the tissues that are in there in between the, the brain and the skull. And you're right. It can go into your your CSF, it can go into uh, it, it can basically cause very serious problems, especially the bacterial one. This is something you've probably heard before. You've heard it go through dorms because it can be very, very highly contagious. And it's that one where it's like there's an 18-year-old, they're super healthy, they're on the track team, and they're, you know, felt a little bit under the weather when they went to bed. And uh, by the time they woke up, they were 45 minutes from death. You know, this is the thing that kills people, including young people, in fact, especially young people, very, very quickly. It is incredibly dangerous and it it kills a lot of the people who end up getting it. But what this study looked at is those people who do survive, especially the young people, what are the long-term effects of that? Because this is a very, again, very serious infection. It's something that'll kill you in like 24 fucking hours. It's a big deal. And this is killing people. That I mean, I'm not talking about. Like, oh, I caught this in the rural jungles of Africa and I died. It's like you caught this. You were hospitalized in ICU for 90 percent of the time you had it, and you still died.
0: That's why you know we have we've been saying on this show for years. Uh, I don't think the um, I don't think the uh, the assholes at Skeptics Guide would ever make a public message to help people like this. But yeah, if you're a kid, if you're a college student do not share needles for spinal taps. That That's is right. the number one way. So when you're in the dorm room, spinal tapping
1: each other, getting that sweet C- uh, cerebral spinal fluid. We've all been in college. Needle. We've all, you know, sat around, watched some Cheech and Chong, and then, <laughs> you know, got got tapped into that spine, you know, that sweet spine, just for a little bit of fun. You know, you're not supposed to, but everybody does it. I would imagine you weren't watching Cheech and Chong,
0: you're watching Hell Rays, and you're like, that pain seems awesome. I wish I was in
1: excruciating pain right now. Bring out the needle, not the clean one. Uh, so this is this is actually pretty cool because this is one of those big Nordic studies where they like can look at everybody's medical records because they don't have HIPAA, and they look. The, this comes <laughs> out of Sweden, and uh, they looked at 3,500 cases of young people who had caught bacterial meningitis and compared it with 32,000 who had not, as a, a nice big n number, and. They noticed a higher prevalence of neurological disabilities such as cognitive impairment, seizures, visual or hearing impairment, motor impairment, behavioral disorders, or structural damage to the head. End quote. So this is, because of how dangerous it is and how quickly it spreads, incredibly shocking. And also, like, man, it's got to feel bad to be the parents of those kids because it's like, for the first 24 hours, you're like, oh, my God, I hope my kid didn't die. And then you're like, oh, man, he didn't die. But now... I'm going to have to explain the bus schedule to him over and over again. Get him in the fight game. <laughs> get him in the
0: fight game. Like, like you don't have to be a genius to, to throw a punch or get good. That's fine. You basically, your career path, we're going to jiu tomorrow.
1: These type of infections are always terrifying to me as a parent, because I'm always like, man, one, they're highly contagious, but then two, it's like fuck. If you imagine that huge chance of death and then even after you survive that huge chance of death, these chances of neural and cognitive impairment. And what does that mean for your future? Especially because
0: happiness. <laughs> fucking happiness. You'll never experience depression.
1: Every day will be fucking magical.
0: How do I get spinal meningitis?
1: Fuck. Especially because if you think about it, you know, if you have something that causes cognitive impairment in somebody who's in their 60s or 70s, that's one thing. And that's a sad thing that, you know, like we, we have a lot of dementia and neurodegenerative diseases that do that. But Think of the difference of something that affects somebody who's three or four or five, right? You have a, impacted that person's whole life as opposed to just the end of year, end of life care, you know? And and thinking of, oh, man, if I would have just not been in that one room with that sick kid, Billy, I would have been fine. Which And by the way, a lot of the kids who do have bacterial meningitis, a lot, a lot of them that are carrying the different bacteria that can cause it, they are asymptomatic. So you might be around somebody who's not even displaying symptoms of being sick and your kid can catch bacterial meningitis. He's just displaying this,
0: sir. Oh, I'm talking about an adult child, an adult. I was too busy staring at his penis to even notice that all the other symptoms, the sweating (laughs) that he's pale.
1: Yeah, I, I, uh, I find these studies a little bit terrifying as a parent, but it is something important to know. If for no other reason than, uh, you know, if there's a bacterial meningitis outbreak at your kid's dorm, you know, get them out of there as fast as possible. And how know- do you get it?
0: You, How do you get bacterial meningitis? You,
1: you literally catch it from other people. So you catch it from somebody else who has it, who may be asymptomatic. There's a couple of different bacteria, including bacteria that cause regular infections. Some of the bacteria that cause uh, certain forms of pneumonia and stuff will cause it. And you're around them, especially in close quarters, it can be very, very contagious. And the symptoms to know are you know normal symptoms of, of being sick as well as tiredness, but things like a stiff neck, which... I always remember because we went through some orientation when I was in undergrad uh, that was like, be really wary of this. Like if you see a friend getting sick and they suddenly ha- complain of having like a stiff neck, it's one of those rare symptoms that don't apply to a lot of diseases, but do to bacterial meningitis. And it's like, note this, tell them to contact the, the student health thing and get the fuck away from them immediately.
0: Yeah. How do you know they just don't have like a My Pillow or any other yeah, fascist yeah. brand? Of how, do
1: you, how do you know they weren't just that dude in that meme that's uh, walking with his girlfriend but turning around to look at the girl in the red dress walking the other way?
0: That's, you know, you're in your 20s. This is, was she planning on marrying this young man? If so, that's too young. You got to wait till your 30s yes. when you have your head on straight and, and your partner probably has their head on straight.
1: Uh, yeah, if you don't have your head on straight, it's probably because of bacterial meningitis. (laughs) Uh, very, very interesting. Just one of those things to keep out. And by the way, if you take nothing out of this entire episode, fuck the elephant seals, fuck all that other stuff. If you take nothing out of it, just be wary of anybody with a stiff neck.
0: Uh, I would say that, uh, between the elephant seals and the, uh, the hellish monsoon that sunny San Diego got, I'd say, um... Maybe the time is to start changing things as was yesterday, but it's not too late today. Well, it's too late, but we need to do it
1: today. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, feel free to uh, everybody stop taking airline flights and, you know, uh, eating red meat and all that stuff. At this point, people need to be in the streets.
0: Like, there's there's a systemic change. No, really, I, I firmly believe there's systemic changes that need to happen.
1: Yeah, but I mean, you could be in the streets or, again, you could stop taking airline flights and eating red meat. Uh, that would... It's
0: not an either or. Sure. It's not an either or. Sure.
1: But yeah, I mean, look, If you, I I do want to do a show at some point that's a breakdown of all of your carbon emissions, because I also need to update myself on it and, and figure it out. You know, I, I have some passing knowledge based on what we do for the research for this show. Uh, like I said, about things like uh, airline flights are a big one. You know, being on an, uh, on one airline flight is equivalent to like six months. One cross-country airline flight, I think, is equivalent to like six months of all of your other carbon outputs and, you know, things like eating red meat and stuff. But uh, I'm sure there's probably some stuff in there that i have haven't even realized that have like snuck in there uh, that are probably important to note. So maybe maybe this will be my impetus to do a show that is like the top 10 ways you are can, you are putting carbon into the atmosphere that you could stop, you know.
0: But that's that's individualizing things, which which is something we do. We all need to take some individuals. But I mean, a lot of the a lot of the uh, the big polluters are being. Are are the big boys and they're just unregulated, unre- right? Like, like big corporations that if regulated could bring down their sure, stuff. Sure. Like
1: the, but. but so like, think of like the, I think it's a mixture of both. Like if you think of the cow thing, right? Like there are huge corporations that are profiting from you eating red meat and they could be doing stuff like feeding those cows seaweed or something to help out. And they, they should be, but they're not. But also if everybody just stopped eating that red meat, those corporations would stop doing that tomorrow. Right. And so like, yeah, it's kind of like a shared blame on a lot of stuff. Now, there's some things you're not going to be able to control, like maybe your percentage of the Department of Defense budget, which uses way more fuel than all of our cars combined. Maybe that is a huge percentage of your overall carbon emissions. But frankly, you're not going to be able to do anything tomorrow about how much fuel the F-18 uses. Right. Like you're, there's nothing you're going to be able to do about that. But you can do something about the cows and you can not do something about cross country travel. No, I know I agree. I'm just
0: saying like individual responsibility will only take us so far. Like like having like we talked earlier uh, a couple of years ago about uh, a huge methane leak yes. that was in the middle of Los Angeles that had just been going on for months and how much of that is, you know, not a pocket of methane in Siberia, sure. you know, like a lot of these things are systemic that Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's like the big and the small, but, you know, maybe we'll break down sometime the, the 10 things that you personally can do to, to knock that down and see what we can't do with that. But until then, thank you, audience, for coming back to Science Faction 689, where you learned all about how bird flu has wiped out 95% of southern elephant seal pups and how bacterial meningitis permanently injures one in three children who catch it. Thank you so much for joining us and come on back next week for Science Faction 690. Freedom Elephant Seal Caucus member here. How do
0: we know that those seal puff deaths weren't from the vaccine?
1: You've been listening to Science Function. Wait, that's not right.